Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? If you have, the best answer for doing one is Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop for recording, posting, and distributing your podcast. Anchor is available to download for your Apple or Android devices, or you can go to anchor.fm. Best of all, it's 100% free and so easy to use. So what are you waiting for? If you want to start your own podcast, download the Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. Anchor, the best way to make your podcast. is the Mofobo Network Podcast, bringing you the most up-to-date news in the wide world of sports. Now, here's your host, Neil Villapiano. What is going on, guys? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of Mofobo Network podcast here on anchor and spotify thank you guys as always for taking some time out of your busy schedule to listen to this episode it truly means the world to me and i greatly appreciate your support now i had an original plan for what i wanted to talk about on this episode but there were a couple of big news news and notes that happened over you know probably less than 24 hours that i wanted to talk about Two of them that happened today at the time of this recording, which is September 3rd of 2020, and one that happened yesterday, September 2nd, that I wanted to discuss. So let's just jump right into it with probably out of these three, in my opinion, the biggest announcement or you know, breaking news that we could have. About three, four hours ago, around 10 o'clock this morning, Eastern Standard Time, Steve Wojnarowski from ESPN tweeted out that the Brooklyn Nets have hired Hall of Famer Steve Nash as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Wow. I mean, first of all, right off the, right off the bat, I did not see this coming. Nobody, and I don't think anybody did for that matter. You, from all the reports that I have seen, the Nets decided they wanted to keep their interest in Steve Nash, which apparently is, has been pretty big uh, throughout the offseason, or I guess since they got knocked out of the the uh, bubble, um, pretty, you know, it, they, they decided to keep it quiet and not really, you know, make it public that they were trying to, you know, bring Steve Nash, Steve Nash in as head coach. So it was definitely a shocker. It still is several hours later. And I'm very, very... I'm very conflicted for a multitude of different reasons, and we'll get into those uh, with this. But on Thursday, two-time NBA MVP Steve Nash became the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. In addition to that move, the Nets also are retaining interim head coach Jacques Vaughn and making the team's top assistant coach. So I am happy in a way because Jacques Vaughn remains with the Nets organization. 
I personally had Jacques Vaughn as my number one guy to be the head coach of this team because of the way he coached the Nets in the bubble, even through just two games in the regular season prior to the whole season being put on pause because of COVID-19. He had done a pretty solid job. Uh, he went 7-3 and three in the regular season, including a 5-3 and three record in the bubble, and then they were ultimately swept by the Toronto Raptors in round number one. But I felt that Jacques Vaughn was much more of a man's coach, that he treated these guys like men. He wanted them to learn about, you know, things like, you know, why voting is so important, you know, social justice. You know, he really, really wanted to emphasize, you know, both them playing a certain style and being disciplined on the court, as well as understanding the world around them. And that's what really, really, you know, excited me about Jacques Vaughn. And the fact that the majority of the Nets team either opted out or was hurt prior to the start you know, of the restart in the bubble, and the Nets had to sign a bunch of guys very quickly for for Jacques Vaughn to still be able to have success, you know, with maybe less talent than, you know, normal, just shows you how good of a coach, you know, he he was and he is. Um, you know, obviously his record of 58, I think it's 58-158 uh, when he was with the Orlando Magic, um, is, certainly, is, is certainly something that people would say, well, is he really that good of a coach? Well, considering what the Nets had in this bubble, you'd have to say he did a pretty bang-up job. And I remember saying numerous times, and I'll say it again here, that what the Nets should do is basically take the majority of the guys that they had, that they had to you know, sign to have enough players to play um, in the bubble, take them back for next season, add in, obviously, Karis LeVert, you know, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, and those guys. Bring back, you know, obviously bring in you know, with Spencer Dinwiddie and you know, Torian Prince and DeAndre Jordan and also – you know, and obviously adding Katie and Kyrie, you have a very deep and very talented team that understands the type of game that Jacques Vaughn wants to play. So I was very big on it. And I knew, I know that either yesterday or two days ago, Jacques Vaughn had had an interview with the Nets for the head coaching job and the ownership was very impressed. But from now what I'm seeing, it looks like that Jacques Vaughn, they, the Nets really wanted to keep him, but they didn't want him to be the head coach, which I don't really get and I don't like because I feel like it's a little bit disrespectful to Jacques Vaughn that he all of a sudden goes from being, you know, an interim head coach who got a lot of praise and should have been more highly considered for the head coaching job to now he's an assistant coach again. Albeit he's the top assistant for the Nets, but he was the top assistant for Kenny Atkinson when he was here. So he basically went back to his job. And Jacques Vaughn seems like he's okay with that. But they're bringing in Steve Nash, a Hall of Fame point guard who – has no coaching spirits whatsoever, and up until this point was analyzing soccer for Champions League in Europe for Bleacher Report. So, you know, it was, it was something that kind of came out of nowhere. And I want to read to you some things from an article that Chris Bengal from CBS Sports put out about an hour ago. Nash has never had a full-time NBA coaching job. However, the connections are there as to why Nash landed the Nets coaching job. The former star point guard did play with Nets general manager Sean Marks when the two were members of the Phoenix Suns. So obviously there's a connection with the general manager. In addition, Nash was a part-time assistant with the Golden State Warriors while current Nets star Kevin Durant was in the Bay Area. So already Kevin Durant and Steve Nash have a personal relationship. 
And I know that Kyrie is very fond of Steve, of Steve Nash. And the thing is, is that at least from what people are saying is that they feel comfortable that Steve Nash could help elevate Kyrie's game to another level and continue to also, you know, get KD to be back to maybe not 100%, but pretty close to 100% when he comes and actually does play a game with the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets were in the market for a new head coach after they had fired Kenny Atkinson during the 1920 season. Following Atkinson's dismissal, the Nets turned to Jacques Vaughn to lead the team, and he did so in the bubble as well, as we mentioned before. Now, let's go over some of the reactions from people within the NBA players and other and reporters that were that uh, heard about this move. First one comes from Buddy Love saying, wow, didn't see that coming. That's fair enough. Nobody did. Uh, Terrence Ross said, Steve Nash, though. And then he has emoji eyes, fire emoji, and mind-blowing emoji. Um, then NBA Canada, the official Twitter handle for the NBA Canadian Twitter account, says, Coach Nash, congratulations to Steve Nash on being named head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Then you have Nets, um, I guess you call it color commentator Richard Jefferson chiming in with, with two tweets. First of all, Steve Nash to the Brooklyn Nets, you know, shocked face. Then he says, Derek Fisher, Jason Kidd all got jobs right away because of 20 years of high-level b-ball IQ. Please don't question Steve Nash's hire or make this about anything else. Also, Will Brinson tweeted out, didn't even know Steve Nash wanted the coach. And this is something that I just mentioned a minute ago that Will Brinson pointed out. If, quote, prior to his role as head coach of a professional basketball team, Nash was analyzing European soccer for Bleacher Report, end quote, is it in the press release, we riot. It's fair enough. And then CBS Sports HQ's Twitter tweeted out via Anthony V. Slater said, Steve Nash was a player development consultant with the Warriors and worked closely with Kevin Durant during that time. Now he'll be coaching Durant and Kyrie Irving with the Nets. So all in all, I think it's safe to say that pretty much everybody out there did not expect this. You looked at some of the options that were made public. The Nets, the first big one was obviously they were hoping to maybe try to work out a deal to quote-unquote trade and sign Greg Popovich away from the San Antonio Spurs. I had said before that that was a pipe dream and that it wasn't going to happen. And as a result, it didn't. But then you had some guys who were, were obviously, you know, open to probably coaching, you know, being a head coach. You had Tyron Lue, who coached Kyrie in Cleveland when they won the NBA championship a few years ago. And it seemed like he was kind of the front runner, so to speak, because of his relationship with Kyrie and because it seemed like it was pretty much public that Kyrie in particular wanted Ty Lue to be the head coach. You had J.C. Kidd who coached the Nets for one year before obviously being fired. Well, not being fired. He pretty much left the Nets after, you know, having a lot of disagreements with uh, Prokhorov and Billy King who were with the Nets. I felt that, honestly, I would have been okay with the Nets bringing back J.K. because it was a new it was a new ownership, new general manager and everything. Uh, I'm sure Jason Kidd is still going to get opportunities to probably interview for some jobs. Uh, you had Mark Jackson, who was a big reason why the Golden State Warriors became what they became. He developed them. I think that would have been good. Then you also had Van Gu you know, Steve Van Gundy, which – well, Jeff Van Dun Gundy, excuse me. And, you know, I don't, I don't think Van Gundy has that much interest, but never know. And I just heard – 
minutes ago before I started that Chauncey Billups is looking to become a head coach. So obviously there are more players that want to, you know, do this. And that's something that's very, very, very interesting. Now, another thing that came up with the whole Steve Nash hiring was that Steve Nash had said for, for a handful of years after he retired that he really wasn't interested in coaching. He didn't really want to do that. But he said in a press release by the Nets that he really got that itch and that he really wanted to coach. And maybe he got a little bit of that when he was working as a consultant with the Golden State Warriors. So clearly, the Nets feel that Steve Nash is the right guy to lead this team. And I think, one of the re- I think another one of the reasons why is because they feel comfortable with him being being the guy that can kind of control the room, control the personalities and everything. I don't really know if that's going to, to be the case or not. I hope it is because we know the type of personalities that both Katie and Kyrie have, particularly Kyrie Irving. And, you know, as just somebody who's a Nets fan and who has never seen the Nets win an NBA championship, you hope that Steve Nash is, is finally the, the coach that's going to get the Nets to winning an NBA championship. That would certainly be great. Another thing to mention also is that Steve Kerr, Steve, not Steve Kerr, Steve Nash's contract is for four years, which I think is longer than both Kyrie and Katie's contract, which they both signed four-year max deals, and they'll be technically playing together contract-wise for three years. So the, so the Nets feel very, very confident in Steve Nash being the head coach, you know, long-term to try to win an NBA championship. Again, like I said, I'm glad that, Jacques Vaughn remains on as an assistant. I think he will help, you know, Steve Nash in any way he possibly can. Um, Am I critical of the Nets that they didn't hire somebody with more head coaching experience? You know, I am not a a big proponent of Ty Lue because, again, he did coach LeBron and Kyrie, which gives him some, you know, clout to say at least he knows how to coach superstars. But – was it really Ty Lue or was it more, you know, LeBron? And that's the conversation we have. Jason Kidd, you know, he coached one year with the Nets, one apparently wanted more power, then went to Milwaukee and struggled to help Giannis really take the level that he is at right now and also wanted more power. So that, you know, so that is a cause for concern. Mark Jackson hasn't coached in a while, and you wonder if, A, he wanted to coach again, and B, if he could coach the way the NBA game is played now. I think he probably could, considering he kind of developed what Steph Curry and Klay Thompson have ultimately become and what that Warriors team had eventually became the very next year for several years after that. Um, So you had guys like that. And I remember this morning watching First Take and seeing Stephen A. Smith, and I kind of could tell from his facial reaction that he was not happy. But he was unhappy for a reason that – Richard Jefferson kind of said without saying, because if you remember, he said, Steve Nash's, please don't question Steve Nash's hire or make this about anything else. Well, Stephen A. Smith, I'm not blaming him for this by saying this, but he kind of put it out there. He called this hire in a way white privilege because he felt that there were more qualified coaches. And, 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 and you know what? He has a very solid argument because all the guys he had mentioned you know, obviously Ty Lue, obviously, you know, a guy like Sam Cassell, even though Sam Cassell's never been a head coach, he's been an assistant coach for many years, and he's done a very good job with the Los Angeles Clippers. And I and I would have been a big proponent of having Sam Cassell be a head coach, even especially for the Brooklyn Nets. You had Mark Jackson, you know, you had guys like that that were – and you had Jacques Vaughn 
that were kind of passed up for a white guy. You know, and he's, and he, you know, Stephen A. Smith went on to say, you know, even though we're constantly changing, things remain status quo. And in a way, he's correct about that. You know, in a way, you could see that. Um, the tough part is that if the Nets interviewed all those other guys and didn't feel comfortable hiring them for reasons other than obviously the color of their skin, and they felt that Steve Nash was the, was the best hire, it's hard for the Nets because then, and it's hard for any team because if you feel the best coach available is a white guy, you know, unfortunately in this day and age, you may get criticized a little bit. I mean, I remember um, Ben Amy, the offensive coordinator for the, for the Kansas City Chiefs, he had been interviewed by several teams to be the head coach and he was not given a head coaching job. And I know that a lot of people say that, well, that's, you know, because all oh, they trust more you know, white coaches, it's still the same thing. I think to an extent, there is substance to that. I think that there is still a big issue with that. I don't think it's always the case, but that's just me. And I know it sounds hypocritical because, newsflash, I am a white person. So obviously it looks like I'm defending, uh, you know, the white people. And I'm not really defending anybody. I'm just, I'm trying to be as fair as I possibly can be. I also want to give credit where credit is due to Stephen A. Smith that he said that he liked the hire and that he felt that Steve Nash, even though he's never had any coaching experience, is a bright enough individual that is going to help the Nets be a championship contender. And obviously none of this is Steve Nash's fault because he didn't decide to take the job. You know, the, the Nets gave it to him. They accepted it. And that's how it, and the Nets wanted to hire Steve Nash. You know, it, it's understandable, though, why people – in the black community could feel that way, especially the black community in sports. You know, it just, that's how it is, especially with the, the majority of NBA players are black. You know, it's, it's kind of like that, but let's, let's also just remind ourselves of this. The NBA more than ever is a players driven league, in my opinion. And Katie and Kyrie, were going to have to sign off and say, this is the guy that we want, whoever it was. So clearly Katie and Kyrie wanted, wanted Steve Nash here. It wasn't just the Nets just made the decision on their own. They asked Kyrie and KD. They probably had them in some of the interviewing process and probably said, you know what? I really like Steve Nash. Let's give him an opportunity. You know, obviously KD has experience with them. Kyrie respects him a lot. And that was what it was. It was a group effort to make that decision. So at the end of the day, I think we have to give Steve Nash an opportunity. Uh, it's going to be very weird seeing him in a suit and tie as a head coach um, uh, uh, of an NBA team. And I'll be interested to see what type of offense they want to run. Hopefully he, he has an offense that's based around the team that they have, and we don't know what the team exactly is going to look like going into next season. We got a couple more months before that. Um, but, you know, again, very surprising. Did not expect it. But, you know, as of today, Steve Nash will be the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, and I am going to give him – the benefit of the doubt. I trust Sean Marks. He has done a lot of great things building this team and putting the Nets in the position that they are in right now. I'm glad that Jacques Vaughn stays on, at least as an assistant. And let's see what happens. Let's just see how this goes. But, it, but without a doubt, it was a very, very surprising decision by, by the Nets. And we'll, we'll definitely see how it goes. And now I want to discuss the next bit of news. We'll, we'll shift to football because there were two moves with relatively big-name players that I wanted to share. The first one was actually announced about an hour ago that the Seattle Seahawks 
decided to re-sign wide receiver Josh Gordon to a one-year contract, which can earn him more than just over $1 million with also some incentives. Now, I'm going to read you a little bit from an article written by The Score. The Seattle Seahawks re-signed wide receiver Josh Gordon, his agency announced Thursday. So his agency decided. The 29-year-old applied for reinstatement back in June and is awaiting the league's decision. He'll receive a one-year contract from the Seahawks and can earn more than $1 million, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports. Gordon led the NFL in receiving in 2013 before suspensions derailed his career. He received his fifth ban in December after violating the league's policies on performance-enhancing drugs and substance abuse. And he, is hope, he was hoping to be cleared in time for training camp in July and will now wait and will now attempt to be reinstated before the start of the regular season. So the Seahawks have a little bit more than a week before their first game. And so they would like, within the next few days, for the NFL to hopefully reinstate Josh Gordon. Now, Josh Gordon is one of those guys that I personally have been pulling for for the last couple of years, especially learning about his situation. I know that he's dealing a lot with his mental health, and a lot of people believe that's the big reason why the substance abuse has been such an issue with him. You know, you go back to his second year in the National Football League, and he got a Pro Bowl honor. He was clearly one of the up-and-coming receivers in the National Football League. But since, two, since his second year, I think 2013, He's just been suspended, you know, a handful of different times, hasn't played a full season in God knows how long. And obviously the Browns gave up on him. He went to the Patriots, played there for a little while, but then again was suspended and released by, by the Patriots, which was very, very sad. And then he played a few games this past year with the Seattle Seahawks before he was suspended once again. And of all the people that were banging on the table for the Seahawks to bring him back, it was Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, you know, believes, you know, through his, through his heart that Josh Gordon is a tremendous person and that he should be given another opportunity and that in the right, in the right environment, in the right community, he can, you know, really recover. And from what a lot of people have said, including Pete Carroll, the head coach of the Seahawks, is that they all love Josh Gordon. They love his personality. He, he brings such a positive attitude to the football field and to practice with a big smile on his face. And he's still a very, very good receiver. Even though he's 29 years of age and hasn't been able to play a full season due to suspensions, he still probably has a lot of traction left on the tires. So the Seahawks are signing him to a one-year deal, like I mentioned, and he joins a loaded receiving core for star quarterback Russell Wilson. That includes Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Philip Dorsett, Paul Richardson, and David Moore, and now you add Josh Gordon. Now, will the NFL reinstate Josh Gordon? I don't know. I would like to think so because I am a big fan of Josh Gordon. I think he is still an incredibly talented wide receiver. I remember when reports came out that there was rumors that he could go to, to a team like the Giants. I was talking to a friend of mine who is a Giants fan, and we had a discussion on Twitter saying, you know what? I would actually be in favor of bringing him in. If the Giants can give him an environment where he can really, really, you know, focus on just playing football and continue to better his, his mental health and stay away from drugs. You know, that's great. Um, but knowing David Gettleman, knowing how he, he doesn't like, you know, the, you wouldn't call it prima donna, but the, the, you know, the, I guess you would call it the off the field antics of his players. Uh, as you saw with how he handled the Odell Beckham situation. Um, it probably wasn't, something that was not going to really happen. But I think when you look at it, 
the Seahawks were probably the perfect fit for Josh Gordon. He actually played pretty well, even though he didn't do much. He played in five games for the Seahawks prior to the suspension, catching seven passes for 139 yards, including his longest play, which was a 57-yard reception. And I think that was against the 49ers, I, I believe, on Monday Night Football. But nonetheless, he, Josh Gordon is being given another, another one of the many chances, and you really hope that Josh Gordon can make the best of this opportunity if he also gets reinstated. Because as of right now, at the time of this recording, he, is not, he has not been reinstated back into the National Football League. I think that Josh Gordon and the Seahawks will have to do a very, very big job of convincing the NFL that Josh Gordon really has changed for the better this time, even though they've probably said it numerous times, and that he is ready to turn his life around and just play football. And if Josh Gordon could just focus on playing football and continue to play the way he's capable of playing, he just adds another dynamic weapon for Russell Wilson and makes the Seahawks not only a favorite to win the NFC West, but a team that could certainly make a run at the Super Bowl this year. So this is really good. And they just acquired Jamal Adams from the Jets to increase their, their already very solid and talented defense. That's a team that is definitely on the rise and can certainly compete for a Super Bowl championship. And adding Josh Gordon is great. I really hope he gets reinstated. Um, obviously, you know, we, we don't know what the NFL will decide to do. They may decide within the next 24 hours, sooner than that, later than that. We'll have to wait and see. But the bottom line is, I am a big fan of Josh Gordon. I always have been because I know how talented he is. And I've read a lot about him. I've read a lot what other people have said. And if all those things are true, this just seems like a really, really good guy that just needs some help. You know, I, I will say this, and I shared this on my personal Instagram at NVPQB11 about two, two and a half hours ago. One of the big things that um, our society has, uh, has uh, really, you know, put out there that is wrong is that, oh, men are always supposed to be tough. They're not supposed to show emotions. If they're dealing with stuff like mental health, they're not supposed to ask for help because it looks like it's weak. All those myths are incorrect. All those myths are incorrect. And I could say that from a personal standpoint. I'm a very emotional person. I wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm not afraid to tell, like, to tell you how I really feel about people and, and things that are going on in my life personally. I'm not afraid to do that. And I'm not afraid to ask for help because there are times where I need help. There's times where every man needs help. But if their environment makes it so that it's uncomfortable and not, and not okay for them to be that way, then obviously they're going to press it down very hard and they can't be their, their real selves. So with Josh Gordon, he might have been in several environments where he couldn't really be him, himself and he had trouble and he's had trouble mentally and he needs the help. And I think he's really been trying very hard to find people that really can help him. And it seems like out of all the teams and of all the people that have been in his life, in his professional career, it seems like the Seahawks with Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson in that environment seem to be the best fit for him playing out in Seattle. Now, if they can promise to really help him, you know, mentally, it will help him so much, not just in football, but for the rest of his life. He's only 29 years of age. He's not that much older than I am. He still has a lot of life left to live. And if he is, been, if he is able to be put in the right direction by the right people and the right support system, which I think he could certainly have in Seattle, it's going to help him for the rest of his football career and the rest of his life.
So in many ways, I applaud Josh Gordon that he's still trying to get help. He wants to play football. He just wants to be successful. Also, I found out that he ended up selling or giving away his Super Bowl ring that he got from the Patriots a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl. He was already off the team by that point. And he felt that he didn't deserve it because he wasn't on the team. I give him some credit for that, you know, because obviously it proves that he wants to earn it. You know, he doesn't want to just have things be given to him. He really wants to earn it. So I applaud Josh Gordon. I, am, I really hope the NFL reinstates him because I really feel confident that he can be a, a big help to the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks can be a big help to him both on and off the field and could certainly help him to have a long and very successful life even after football. So really happy about this, and I'm looking forward to what Josh Gordon can bring to the table on and off the field now and for the rest of his life, especially if the Seahawks can, can certainly help him. So that, that's, really, that's really big, and you know we'll, we'll definitely see how it goes. Now, the last thing I wanted to discuss here today on this episode was another big move that happened in football a couple days ago, the Jaguars officially and certainly surprisingly decided to release their franchise running back in Leonard Fournette. They didn't even try to trade him. They just basically got rid of him, which really surprised me. And, you know, then you'll obviously the last couple of days, there were people that were putting out articles and asking the, the easy question, where can Leonard Fournette go? Where does he want to go? And we had heard some teams, obviously, and not surprisingly, the Patriots, I think the Eagles as well. I think the Dolphins also. But at the end of the day, Leonard Fournette, last night, on Twitter, without saying anything, posted a picture of himself in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform, which confirmed that Leonard Fournette has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as he joins Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Godwin, and all of those guys you know, also LaShawn McCoy and Barber as well in the backfield, he joins that offense, and that offense just got even better because what's interesting about Fournette, he might not be the fastest guy, but he is a big man, and he can fight through that offensive line. So you just add another dynamic to your entire offense. You make your offense even more difficult to try to scout. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as I'm reading an article that was written by Jenna Lane yesterday evening at around 9 o'clock, which was around the time that Leonard Fournette made the announcement, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers continue to go all in on the 2020 season, and it's making for a crowded backfield and an abundance of help for Tom Brady. Nearly one month after signing six-time Pro Bowl running back LaShawn McCoy, the Bucs reached an agreement Wednesday night with Leonard Fournette. He confirmed on social media. If you go to Fournette's Twitter account, at underscore Fournette, you will see a picture of him in a Bucks uniform with a very cool background. So whoever made this, job well done by you. I mean, there are a lot of really tremendous graphic designers that we don't know about that make things like this that just look so beautiful. This is great, by the way. So shout out whoever did that. The agreement is for one year and could be worth up to three and a half million dollars with incentives, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. So the fourth overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft is staying in the state of Florida, continuing to not have to pay taxes and playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is, this is really a, a very, very awesome move. And you know what's great about it is that you're seeing stars, you know, big name players in the NFL taking one-year deals. We saw Logan Ryan a few days ago take a one-year $7.5 million deal from the New York Giants. You know, we're seeing that because I think a lot of players understand that the market 
isn't suitable for getting a big-term deal this year, but maybe in going into the 2021-22 season, you know, hopefully once we get past the big parts of COVID-19 and, and maybe the money situation and cap is, is where it needs to be, that these players could start getting some deals. So again, Leonard Fournette gets a prove-it deal, and he also puts himself in a very, very good position to try to go win a Super Bowl in just his third, his third or fourth year in the, in the NFL. Now, Fournette had his best season statistically this past season in 2019, rushing for a career-best 1,152 yards and catching 76 passes for 522 receiving yards and three total touchdowns. Now, the touchdown, the touchdowns are not great, but then again, the Jaguars were a very, very bad football team. The Jaguars have made it clear that they are 100% rebuilding. They didn't even try to find a way to trade Fournette. Now, I also heard that Fournette is trying to get back, I think, $4.5 million um, from the Jaguars, uh, something breached within his contract. So we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. But nonetheless, you'll see Leonard Fournette this year rocking the red and silver Tampa Bay Bucks uniform lined up behind lined up behind Tom Brady. I mean, I don't think there's any question that Leonard Fournette will probably be the starting running back. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is certainly going to get some carries. Barber as well might get a few. Uh, but now you have three different types of Running backs, uh, kind of like an earth, wind, and fire type of um, thing with, I guess you could say, the earth is probably Leonard Fournette, the wind is probably Barber, and the fire is probably LeSean McCoy, in my opinion. But yeah, this is a very, very solid deal. Didn't cost him a lot of money. Then again, I don't think any, any big-name player that's still available was going to get any sort of big money. And it's just a, it's a deal that just makes the Bucks that much better of a football team. And they're going to continue. And now... The expectations and the odds are going to go up even more for the Bucs to go out and win the Super Bowl, which, again, is in Tampa this year. And that is one thing that Tom Brady could do that no other football player has ever done, and that is lead, a fo- lead the team to a Super Bowl played in their own home stadium, which would be a very, very cool accomplishment that I think could probably definitely put Tom Brady over the top as being arguably the greatest quarterback in NFL history. But... This is a really, really good deal for both sides. Fournette has a chance to prove himself on a winning football team. He makes a little bit of money. And if it all works out, and let's say they win a Super Bowl and he plays really well, even if he doesn't go back to the Bucs, he's going to get paid. And by that point, it's like, well, I've already won a Super Bowl. Now I might as well get as much money as I can before I retire so I can take care of my family for generations to come, which is great. So it's a win-win for both sides. I like it. I'm excited. And the Bucs are really going to be the team to watch out for going into this 2020 NFL season. And with that being said, that'll wrap it up for this edition of MoFobo Network Podcast. Thank you guys so much once again for listening to this episode. Let me know what you guys think. You know, leave a comment on Anchor or on Spotify. You know, just let me know what you guys think of all the things we discussed here today. What are your thoughts and opinions on it? I would greatly appreciate it. If you want to check out more of this podcast, go subscribe to it both on Anchor and Spotify where we post new episodes every Tuesdays and Thursdays of every single week. We also have a YouTube channel, Mofobo Never Presents. I just posted a new video yesterday evening discussing my top five greatest WNBA players of all time. So just go on YouTube and search Mofobo Network Presents and you will find it. We post new videos on YouTube every single week. Wednesday, and both on the podcast and YouTube channels, 
We talk about all things going on in the world of sports, some pretty interesting topics, things that are going on right now, breaking news like we were talking about here today, and so, so much more. And if you want to stay up to date with all of those, here's a couple of things you could do. First, you could go on Facebook and type in Mofobo Network, and you could stay up to date right there. If you like and you subscribe to it, you could stay up to date with the new podcast and YouTube videos that we post every week between Tuesday and Thursday. You can all follow me, follow me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and my personal Instagram, like I mentioned before, at N-V-P-Q-B-11. Now, if you want to check out more of my lovely voice, you can check out the Devils State of Mind podcast, which is the New Jersey Devils hockey-based podcast on the Big Hockey Podcast Network. We post a new episode every single Monday on anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search Hockey Podcast Network or Devil's State of Mind, and you can see the new episodes that we post every single Monday. We have a Twitter account for the podcast, at Devil's State, an Instagram at Devil's State of Mind, and just like Mofobo, we have the Devil's State of Mind podcast Facebook page, where you can stay up to date with the new episodes every single Monday. So please go check all those out and follow me on there. I would greatly appreciate the support. And as always, on any of these social medias, you know, message me. Let me know what you guys think. If you have any suggestions on topics or guests or anything of that matter, you know, just let me know. I would love to hear from you guys. I like to make this a collaborative effort to continue to make all these channels to be great as they can, you know, make them as great as they can possibly be. So please go do so. Also, and last but certainly not least, go check out my book on Amazon and also Barnes & Noble right now. J-E-T-S, pain, pain, pain. Football season is about to begin, and there's nothing like getting another football book to kind of get you into the football spirit. This book is about the pain and suffering of being a Jets fan, all the painful memories, painful player decisions, painful games, and everything else is in that book. So if you're a football fan, a Jets fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check it out on both Amazon and also Barnes & Noble. It's for sale on the for the price of $19.69. And if you're a Jets fan or football fan, you probably guessed why I chose that. So please go check that out. And as always, let me know what you guys think of the book. I would greatly appreciate it. And also, before I go, I just want to send uh, my deepest condolences to the Seaver family as Hall of Fame Mets pitcher Tom Seaver passed away yesterday at the age of 75 due to complications with dementia as well as COVID-19. So it's a very, another very sad day in the world of sports, particularly baseball. Tom Seaver, Tom Terrific, the franchise, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Met of all time. And it's very unfortunate that he left our world way, way too soon. And we've lost a lot of great people in the world of sports and just a lot of great people in general, whether it's celebrities and especially people that, you know, are just everyday, you know, wonderful people in this world, you know, whether it's COVID-19 or other things. We've lost a lot of great people, but hopefully – this will help us to continue to remain strong and understand that better days are coming, you know, better days are coming and that's the way we have to look at it. So, you know, and that kind of leads me to my next point. Please continue to be safe out there. 
you know, wear a mask, practice social distancing as best as you can. If you feel sick, stay home and alert your, you know, health officials and your doctors about it. Because again, we are trying very hard to try to contain this virus so that at some point in the future, we can find a vaccine. We can start getting people to, to get healthy again so that we can start really opening up everything once more and create now what is already our new form of normalcy. So please continue to do that because you're not just protecting yourself, you're protecting your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers, and everybody else that you meet on a day-to-day -day basis and you run into and you walk past. We're all just trying to stay safe. That is the ultimate goal of this entire situation that we're dealing with. Thank you as always to all of the wonderful essential workers out there and just everybody trying to make a difference in the world today, not just here in the United States, but all over the world that are trying to make everybody feel safer as we continue to try to push forward during this difficult time with the COVID-19 pandemic because your work does not go unnoticed. And if you weren't doing the hard work, we'd be in a lot more difficult position than we are right now. So thank you guys so much for that. And as I always say at the end of every episode, no matter what is going on in the world, especially right now, no matter what hardships you might be dealing with, just remember to wake up, have a smile on your face, think positively, and also kick some mofobo. So my name is Neil Bill Piano. Thank you guys very much for checking out this edition of Mofobo Network Podcast, and God bless.